Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Pastor Rick, Pastor Evan said I was coming up to preach today, and he's exactly right. I am. Hello, home audience. Uh, those of you who are our E family, whether you're watching live or on demand, good to see you. Um, I have to step off stage here for a moment, and it'll become apparent later in my message, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down here. I had to get a, a little tool here that, um, that I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to be using, and so um, we'll let that sit there for a few minutes. Hey, who can finish this line? If God is for us, what is it again? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. It's Romans chapter 8, 31. You can put the rest of that, uh, that text up there. That is good news. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing. In chapter 8, verses 31, 32, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he also give us everything else? Won't he also give us everything else? Since God is for you, who can ever be against you? Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8, and he says these words. They're not going to be on the screen except for the last verse here in a few moments, but I, I, I wanted you just to hear this good news as I prepare to share with you this morning. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with death. Because the Afghan Christians are suffering the way that they do, does that mean God does not love them? Absolutely not. He still loves them. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Now verse 39. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say amen? amen. That is good news. It's really good news. God loves you, and you can count on his love. Now, in light of what I just said, my title today may seem a little strange. Here's my title. Opposed by God. When God who is for us, opposes us. I'm here to tell you this morning, and I want it to be very, very clear, God loves you, God's for you, but there are some times that God 
opposes you. God will actually come against you. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning because you might say, well, wait a minute. If God's for me, how can God ever oppose me? He can and he does, and it's important to understand how this takes place. Have you ever tried to stop an ant? I'm sure that every one of us, and if not, you, I don't know, you just, I, I don't know if you live in the real world, but you know, you got an ant walking, you put your hand in front of it, or you put something in front of it, a stick, and the ant walks up to it, and he tries to figure out, so he tries to go around it, he'll try to go over it. You try to stop an ant, and the ant just keeps on coming. The ant doesn't stop. Sometimes I wonder if this is what God is trying to do with some of us why he's opposing us. We're going in a certain direction or we're doing something and God tries to put his hand down and we try to go around, we try to go over. So if he's going this way, God moves his hand and then the ant goes over there and God moves his hand. God's trying to slow us down. He's trying to oppose us. Now I'll tell you what, if you just want to keep going like the ant, what God is trying to protect you from, he can't help you. Sometimes we need to stop and we need to say, hey, God, what's going on here? And then after you say that, wait for the answer. So when and how does God oppose us? And why would God who is for us oppose us? The answer is found in a couple places in the New Testament, and it's also in the Old Testament. But James, the half-brother of the Lord, wrote in his letter to the early believers, quoting from Proverbs, he says this, God opposes, he uses those words, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 says a very similar thing. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. In your notes, if you have a note sheet, if not coming up on the screen, here's the first thing that I want you to know. This is my key point today. Pride restricts and stops the flow of God in your life. Pride restricts and stops the flow of God in your life. Here's some questions you may have been asking yourself over the past few months, maybe the past few years, maybe only the past few days. Why is my life not everything I think it should be as a follower of Jesus? Or why do I seem ineffective in serving Jesus? Or why... Are the blessings of God missing in my life, or why are they so slim in my life? I want to ask you, is it possible that pride is restricting and stopping the flow in your life? I'm going to illustrate this. I'm going to make somebody here like, they're the, they're the house. You want to be okay. So it's like, you know, you go to your house and you connect this up 
And however you want to connect it, that's fine. And then you, you turn on the water, and you're going to be watering your, your plants, your flowers. Uh, you're going to be uh, washing your car, maybe. Well, if it's like my house and the hoses I buy, almost inevitably, as soon as I start pulling this thing, I get one of these. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, haven't, you, you ever get one of these? What do you call those? A kink. Yeah, a kink. And so I'm over here, you know, the kink is over there. I'm over here going, oh, no. And sometimes I buy these 150-foot hoses, so now I'm tracking the hose down. And it's usually around the house, maybe around two corners, and I'm trying to find the kink. And I get the kink opened up, and I go look, and there's still no water. And so then i got to go farther because I've got a second kink in my hose. Okay. Here's the point, and here's a line that I believe God wants me to tell you this morning. Do you have a kink in your hose? Do you have a kink in your hose? Pride restricts and stops the flow of God's blessing into your life. Is it possible that you got a kink in your hose. Because if the blessings of God, using this simple illustration, are coming in this hose, guess what? It's not that the blessings are not there. You could feel it. You know, when you go to the kink, you can feel the power of the water pressure right there. You can feel it. But there is very little, if oops, there was another kink, or anything coming out of here. Why? you got a kink in your hose. There are some people here, some online, maybe everyone, I'm going to say it's probably everyone because pastor had to do some soul searching and some asking of the Holy Spirit because guess what? I had a kink in my hose. Now, it might have not been a full kink. It might have just been partial, so there were some of the blessings of God. But if I wasn't careful, that kink was going to get tighter and tighter, and I was going to be wondering, what's going on, God? What's going on? And sometimes it is the devil, but sometimes it's God who is opposing because there is something in our life. And God wants you and God wants me to know what the thing is and how dangerous it is. See, here's the here's problem. Most of us do not give any credit, not credit, we don't give any thought to how dangerous and powerful pride is. Listen to what Proverbs says about pride. And, of course, you all know that pride comes before a what? No, it doesn't. I've taught this before. What does the screen say? Pride comes before what? Destruction. And haughtiness or a haughty spirit before a fall. That's a misquote of the Scripture. Pride is so devastating that it comes before destruction. The haughty spirit comes before a fall. Pride does not come before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. Destruction. And God knows that this kink is going to cut his flow off from your life. His the, Well, there's another one. Now I've got two kinks. Two pride kinks that are keeping the flow, and if I just keep walking, I see a third one about ready to develop. You know what? I'm not going to get much of the flow of God out of my life because I'm all kinked up. 
Why? Because of pride. Pride goes before destruction. And that's how God can still be for you. That's how you'll never be separated from his love, but he can oppose you. Because God loves you too much to let you destroy your life. And so he is going to oppose you. He is going to, uh, that pride is going to stop the flow of his blessing in your life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Do you have a kink in your hose? I'm going to give you some possible clues to pride in your life. Just some statements that I want you to think about because I can't tell you where there's pride in your life because the thing is, for some people, the same thing doesn't bring pride. For others, it brings a real sense of humility. But here's some questions. What do you have to prove? What do you have to prove? Usually, pride is often at the root of that question. When you go to work in the morning, what do you have to prove? Do you walk in? When you come home from work and you're, you're in the house, or, or what does the wife feel that she has to prove to the husband or the husband to the wife? What do you have to prove? There's a good possibility pride is behind not only that question, but how you approach that. Here's another question. What do I have to lose? We often get very protective when there is something that we feel very strongly about that we might lose. It might be influence. It might be a relationship. It might be your job or status or money. What are you afraid of losing? Oftentimes, pride is at the root of what you're afraid to lose. And if pride is truly at the root of it, it doesn't have to be, but if pride is truly at the root, the root of it, guess what? you got a kink in your hose, and the blessings and the flow of God is being restricted in your life. What do I have to hide? That's another one. What do I have to hide? What are you hiding from others? What don't people know? Pride is often at the root of what you hide. These are just questions to ask yourself, to evaluate yourself. And you may ask these questions, and the answers are not going to be much of anything. Here's one. And this was the one that probably impacted me more than all of the questions that I came up with for this. What makes me angry? Now, there is righteous anger. There is anger that rises out of humility. But you know what? I usually have, those are rare cases where I have righteous anger. I get angry for the weirdest stuff. Somebody contradicts me, and I know I'm right. And if they're going to hold the line, or I think I'm right, but if they're going to hold the line, I'm going to feel anger rising up. Why? My pride is on the line. Have you ever watched athletes? Elementary, high school, college, pros just get so angry. Why? Their pride's on the line. 
They're fans. Whether or not they're going to make the, uh, uh, the clips on ESPN, their pride's on the line. I have found that for me, when all of a sudden my anger rises and it doesn't seem to be in proportion to the offense, guess what Pastor Rick has? He's <clears throat> got a kink in his hose. And the more I've thought about this little illustration, the more I've wondered how much more of the blessing of God, the anointing of God, the favor of God might pour from my life to others if I will honestly and effectively deal with these. Because when this opens up, and if we really did have water, I could get the whole front row wet. I mean, if, depending on how much pressure, I could get a lot of people wet. Some of you may feel hot in here. You'd love me to get you wet. But how many of us are walking around like this and barely a trickle is pouring out of this, flinging on other people or in your life because you've got a kink in your hose? What makes you angry? Let me give you just three or four other places to look for pride. Success. Look for pride in your successes. Now, success, sometimes, oh, God, thank you. That went so well. You have so moved in my life or in my ministry or in my family. Now, I'm going to be sharing a lot of my own personal failings in this. It's because I know them very well. I'm not setting myself up as some example uh, of, of lots of pride or lots of humility. It's just my life, and it's easier for me to share my examples. I may share one or two from people that I have known, but there was a time where I would walk around thinking, hmm, look how good Sherry and I are doing raising our kids. Look at how good we're doing. Because we were in a restaurant, a halfway nice restaurant. Now, a halfway nice restaurant for us is a chain that you sit down in, not one that you drive through. So that was the halfway nice restaurant for us when we were raising our kids. And when you would see another family whose kids are, <clears throat> well, shall we say, not the best behaved in that type of a restaurant, I don't know about Sherry. She's, she's far more humble than I am, I think. But there was a part of me that would just say, we're doing a good job. Yeah, doing a good job. Yeah. And... Probably we were doing a good job, but it went from an, an admission of fact to a little bit of kinking. And then the next time we went to one of those restaurants that you could sit down in and not have a drive-through, and our kids were the ones, guess what rose? Anger. Why? My pride was on the line. You have a kink in your hose. thought that could have been a fun title, but I still like this title better. But you might remember this message by that line, do you have a kink in your hose? So success, failure, when you fail. A lot of times we try to defend ourselves when we fail because, again, pride's behind how we respond to failure. Oh, and then another one, knowledge, knowledge. I'm right. I have the answers. I've studied that. 
I, um, I have all the, these people who agree with me or that I agree with. And so as soon as people start coming against my knowledge, I, this pride rises up. <laughs> who are they? Those idiots, if they read what I'm reading, if they would study what I'm studying, they would come to my conclusion. I'll tell you what, I believe sometimes that social media, the devil gets behind it and he feeds our pride. Listen to a verse in 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 and 2. It won't come up on the screen, just listen. We know that we all have knowledge, and we do have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. Or another translation said, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies, or love builds up. In the Corinthian church, the believers had knowledge, and it was good knowledge about certain practices. We have knowledge also, but you better be careful because that knowledge can puff you up, make you arrogant. And what the scripture says is, especially in the body of Christ, when we're dealing with one another, maybe you do have the right answer, but be edifying and be loving towards the one who has a different answer or who doesn't know as much as you do. Getting in their face, telling them that they're wrong, getting angry about it is not edifying. It doesn't build up. So watch out for for knowledge. New King James Version says it this way, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You have a king in your hose. I want to talk about solutions this morning. What's the solution to kinks in our hoses? I believe that James gives us some really good insight into the solution. So if you have your Bible with you uh, in whatever format, turn to the the, uh, letter that James wrote to the early Christians. We're going to go to the fourth chapter. We're going to start in verses 6 through 10. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to talk about the solution to these kinks. And while you're getting there, let me say this. If you are a ministry leader of any kind, in this church or elsewhere, if you're a ministry leader, means you lead a class or a small group, you're part of you know, the, the platform team, you're part of the pastoral staff here, you're part of the, uh, the deacon uh, board here, or you're, you're leading some other place in the church, you don't want to have a kink in your hose. You don't want to have a kink in your hose. I've, I really feel with the Holy Spirit, both speaking to me, is be careful, Rick. Be careful with this thing called pride because you put yourself in opposition to God when you hold on to pride. And if you hold on to it long enough, you are on a path towards destruction. And God doesn't want that for any of us. But if you want the flow of God to be in whatever ministry area, you want the flow of God to be in your children's class. And it might even be for preschoolers. We're going to baptize someone next week who just told me their story. They got saved, and they did get saved when they were four years old. That's preschool age. You think, well, I'm just watching kids and giving playtime. No. 
you can have a flow of the anointing of God splashing out and touching the lives of preschoolers and their parents. Watch out. You don't want to kink that flow with pride. So let me read from James chapter 4. And I haven't tripped yet. I've caught my foot twice, but I haven't tripped. And those of you at home are waiting for me to trip. You never know. The message isn't over with. It could happen. What's the solution to pride? So let's pick it up in verse 4. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble, or gives grace to the humble, depending on which translation you're reading. So here we go. Verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. There are many people who pray prayers that God's not going to answer. Okay, just, just now, everybody, it has nothing to do with kinks or anything else. Listen, some of you are praying prayers God can't answer. God, remove the pride in my life. God, remove the pride in my life. He's not going to answer that prayer. Not going to answer it. Because it says right here, so humble yourself. God will help you recognize pride. God will point out pride. God will give you strength to humble yourself, but he's not going to remove your pride. That's your job. So how do you do it? First of all, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Interesting. God, come close to me. God, come close to me. Well, the Scripture says we come close to him. He'll be there. He'll come close to us. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you. Five quick things. If you have a note sheet, you may want to write these in. Number one, we've already talked about it. What's the solution to pride? First thing is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And for some of us, that's a little bit hard because humility is not necessarily a, a posture we like. Sometimes humility comes with submission. You do know more than your boss. Your boss wants it done this way. And you've explained a better way, but your boss says do it this way. Humble yourself. Why? You don't want the flow of God to be restricted in your life. Number two, resist the devil. And the devil is not unaware that pride goes before destruction. The devil is not unaware of this. In fact, I think it's one of the key things that he uses to bring many of us down. And it doesn't happen overnight. It subtly sneaks into our life a little bit at a time, 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 until all of a sudden pride has taken hold in a portion of our heart. The devil is not unaware that he's got you on a path to destruction and he wants you there. Remember I showed the picture of the ant? Sometimes God is trying to keep you from destroying yourself. That's why he's opposing that's why at some times it feels he's against you. He's against you because he loves you. 
He loves you. And he doesn't want you to be destroyed. Humble yourself. Resist the devil. Then, number three, come close to God. Come close to God. Tell me some ways. Yell them out so maybe they can pick them up on the microphones for the home audience. Tell me some ways that you can come close to God. What are some ways? Prayer. What else? Reading the Bible. What else? Worship. Those are three primary ones. What else? How else can you come close to God? I'm sorry? Oh, uh, oh getting together. Gathering. Yes. Getting, get, thank you, Sherry. Um, by the time it got up to here, it didn't quite make it up to here, but thank you. Service. Absolutely. It's another way that you can come close to God. One of the ways you come close to God is you obey God. What does God say? He says to serve. He says to love. He says to be in a part and in groups. You're coming close to God. And what happens when you choose to come close to God, the Bible says God comes close to you. And certainly, I pray, oh God, be with us. Be close in our services. Be close to me. But if I'm not coming close to God in my own personal life and in my corporate worship, it's not going to break the pride, it's not going to help me to get the solution. So we humble ourselves. We resist the devil. We come close to God. Okay, number four, we confess and repent with sorrow over, over our pride or over your pride. Confess and repent with sorrow over your pride. This is a tough one. I'm going to be a little transparent with you. By the way, you guys are doing a great job keeping the flow of God going down there. Thank you. I often confess to God, I recognize that I've done something wrong, I've said something wrong, I've been angry unnecessarily. But way too often, there's no sorrow behind that repentance. I don't hurt enough about my pride that I'm sorrowful about it. I'm not deeply saddened by my pride. Oh, gosh, I'm getting a little prideful there. God, I'm so sorry. And this is one thing that the Holy Spirit has been really showing me over the past couple, three weeks as I've been developing these thoughts is, you know, Rick, some of the kinks, while they may not be so kinked that there's no water going through, there's still some kinking there. Part of the reason... Or the fact that it's still there, even though I have said I've been prideful, is I haven't been, I haven't been sorry enough about my pride that it impacted my emotions. And so I've actually spent some time thinking about what that pride is costing me what the pride might be costing the people in my family that I love and am in relationship with, what the people in the church it might be costing you because the full flow of God's anointing has not been here because I've got a kink in my hose. And all of us to some extent deal with pride, and there is a good aspect of pride. But I have been really conscious about 
my confession about pride and my repentance about pride, it's been very casual. And again, I'm speaking to those of you especially that have some type of a ministry position where you want God to use you. How have you dealt with your pride? Has it caused sorrow? Since I'm desiring the flow of God not to be restricted in my life, I am actually in one sense I'm, I'm asking God to bring me to the point of feeling broken about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't want to be casual about this sin because God opposes the proud. And I want his grace. It says he gives his grace and his favor to the humble. I don't want the flow of blessings to be restricted. In my relationships, in my, my job, which also is ministry, and ministry that I do for you. Now, there's a, there's the, the fifth thing is, what is the solution to pride? This isn't really part of the solution. This is actually the solution. What's the result? Number five, the result is God will lift you up. God will lift you up. When you deal with your pride by humbling yourself, resisting the devil, you come close to God, you confess and repent with sorrow, the result is that God will lift you up. God will lift you up. Now I'm going to ask a pretty straightforward question to everyone here today. Our online family. Are you willing to have God point out to you where he sees pride? Are you willing to believe that God loves you so much that he opposes you to keep you from destroying your life because of pride? And if you believe that, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Will you be willing to have God point out to you where he sees pride. And so one of my prayers has been, God, where do you see pride? It doesn't matter if, if I see it there or not. Where does God see pride? He knows us very, very, very well. Hey, guys, thanks very much. I'll just get this out of the way. I appeal to you, not just as your pastor, but I believe I'm appealing to you by the Holy Spirit. Is there a kink in your hose? And if there is, would you be willing for God to point it out? And then would you be willing to go through the steps of God or of, of putting yourself in a place of humility? Are you willing to have God to point out to you where he sees pride? 
Are you willing to believe that God loves you so much that he is that he opposes you to keep you from destroying your life because of pride? And then if you believe that, what are you going to do about it? One thing that I have found I have done before and I've done quite often is I've prayed the last few verses of the 139th Psalm. David wrote this. The words are coming up on the screen. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now here's, here's the line. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. God knows your heart. Why, why, was, why was David asking God to search his heart? Because David, just like you and I, we have a harder time seeing things in our own life. Oh, Sherry sees the pride in my life. She'll see it. Sometimes God will use her to point it out. Sometimes she doesn't dare go there. Because it's hard to see it in the mirror. Look at that. I've got two kinks. I brought this hose particularly because it's the one I have at home that I get so frustrated with more than any other. And I do know if anybody, don't send me an email, don't send me a text to tell, well, if you buy this kind of hose, it'll never kink for you, Pastor Rick. Yes, I know. I'm not willing to spend that much money. <laughs> Maybe I should because there are days that this hose drives me up a wall. Oh, there's another kink down there. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Why are we asking God to search our hearts? To show us. You're asking him to show you what is really in your heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. We've been singing the song about new wine for several weeks now. And team, you can make your way up to the platform. We've been singing it for several weeks now. Where there's new wine, there's new power. You know, make me a vessel. People of God... God may want to flow through you. Jesus let new wine flow out of me. But you got a kink. Would you be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart, to search your heart, to point out to you where your kinks are, where your pride points are, would you be willing and humble enough to begin to confess them? Would you allow your thoughts to go to what are you restricting in your life by holding on to that pride that other people would be blessed by or you would be blessed by? What path are you walking because of your pride that could very easily lead to destruction? Pride comes before destruction haughty spirit before a fall.
Bow your heads, bow your hearts. Lord, search us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, right now, for those who are honestly praying this prayer, point out anything that offends you. Then lead us along the path of everlasting life. God, I pray that you would show each one of us where you're opposing us. Show us where pride has gained a foothold. Show us what is restricting and stopping your flow in our life. And Lord, I believe you're going to answer this prayer for anyone who has a heart to hear and know. And Lord, when you show us what it is, may we be willing to take the necessary steps to humble ourselves, to resist the devil, to come close to you, to confess and to repent with sorrow over our pride. And then, Lord, we're going to leave it in your hands for how and when you will lift us up. Lord, we want to get rid of any kinks in the hose of our life that is restricting your blessing. And the devil wants us to have kinks. He does not want the full flow of your grace, your blessing, your uh, anointing to come into us or to flow through us because that's devastating to his kingdom. But Lord, this morning, we pray to you to help us to remove the kinks in our hoses that you can flow freely and powerfully. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you follow the team? You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.